What's up, guys? Welcome to the Lazy Boy QBs podcast. Uh, very rainy afternoon here in Virginia. Joined by the one, the only, Jonathan Ryder. Johnny, how's the weather up in D.C., Boston? How you doing on this fine day? Chad, I'm doing all right. Uh, <laughs> weather forecast, yeah, it's pretty cloudy and rainy over here as well. Um, very windy over the weekend, um, but there was no NFL football. So there are no kickers were losing their money. <laughs> yeah, uh, Randy Bullock was outside sweating, making sure he didn't have to go kick a field goal in the rain. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so, oh, man. But uh, I do want to leave a shout-out okay. to the 757-305-786. And uh, I don't know how quickly you want to jump into this, what? but the 305 Got something to be excited about. Yeah, and, and we can ha- jump into it in, in one second. Before we do, actually, Jonathan, this this is a little curveball, but I have a, uh, a shout-out that I want to give as well. Um, I want to give a shout-out to my dad, Steve Larson. He had hip surgery about a month ago, and he uh, made a full recovery. So now he's going back to work. He's going back to getting his money. So do your thing, big dog. Hey, speedy recovery to Mr. Larson. Yeah. Hopefully the Raiders pick at uh, they pick uh, someone good that'll help ease the pain a little bit. So, I mean, <sighs> there's no Demarius Hayward Bay, right? <laughs> or Jamarcus Russell in this draft. Well, well, uh, I, I, the problem is, is right now everybody's running a four three. So the Raiders, <laughs> the Raiders have a new guy number one on their board every ten minutes for the past three days. <laughs> <laughs> Oh man! Right That's now it's too just funny. Who, right now it's just whoever the biggest guy is who can run the the four three eight. Well, can I ask you a question before we jump in? Absolutely. It must be that we're not regularly having a regular combine, and all these guys are running their forties on their pro days. Oh, of course, Be- because think about it. When you're at the combine, and I heard this brought up by uh, Todd McShay. When you are running the comp or when you're running at the combine, you're doing that, excuse me, on the third day you're there after you've gone through two straight, almost 20 hour days consecutively, and then you're burnt out and definitely not in peak physical form, not used to the environment versus being at your pro day where you've had nothing but time to work on it on that specific field. Um, so I do think, but I, I will say, the 40-yard dash conspiracy Twitter is one of my favorite Twitters right now because there are so many people talking about, you know, 39-yard dash and, you know, people stop or anticipate. They're saying, they're saying the anticipation has gotten a lot better with the guys when on stopping the clock. So <laughs> the people with the timers are <laughs> – season is what i'm hearing as well so i I, w- I wouldn't be surprised i'll just say that some of those penn state numbers were uh well when you saw the 255 pound kid run the 438 that's when i was like okay like come on <laughs> come on at least make it at least make me believe that some of these guys are really doing it just like Put it like four four nine, right? Yeah. Oh, it's still a four four. That's what I'm saying. Close to like, four five. Yeah. You're a defensive end. 
I can believe that a little bit more. Yeah, like it brings me back to thinking about, and I promise you we'll we'll move on because there's real stuff to talk about. But it, it brings me back. Well, you remember when like any guy running a four four was like breaking news? Yeah, like anyone who who ran a four four was breaking news, and all of a sudden it was like, damn, you know. But now it's like guys are just doing it left and right. So I don't understand. Well, as a Game of football has evolved. We've seen guys just getting faster, bigger, um, and I guess it's just progression because, I mean, if you think about it, without going to the deep rabbit hole, um, people used to play football. Now <laughs> yeah. football is more like a science. True. You Very know, true. how you prepare, how do you build your body, your nutrition. It's no longer, I'm really good at football, I'm pretty athletic, I can probably go far. Yeah, it's a whole science, man. So very true. I, 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 I just see this keep going forward, right? Like guys getting bigger, faster, uh, more agile, yeah, better it, footwork because it, they're probably like working on these uh fundamentals since they're like little kids. Absolutely, it reminds me almost like when you're looking at uh, like X Games. You know, guys aren't going to stop doing more wild tricks. Like I remember when a seven twenty used to be like the greatest thing, and now people are doing three and pushing four flips, you know, in a row. So I agree with you. It's just going to keep pushing the envelope, and that'll transition us to a team that is pushing the envelope, Jonathan. And and they made a big trade too, and that's the San Francisco Forty Niners. Um, the Miami Dolphins and the Philadelphia Eagles. We technically we're gonna call it as a three-team trade because it just kind of lessens the confusion. I would say a little bit. Really, the only I mean, Miami was involved in both trades. Um, which side do you want to start with? Whichever side you want to start on. Okay, I want to start with the 49ers just because. Well, I mean, you know, there's a reason why. Obviously, they made the most all-in move out of the three. And they're the ones that probably change their destiny, I would say, the most with this trade. Um, so to recap what they did, they traded the 12th pick in this draft, a 2022 first-round pick, a 2023 first-round pick, and a 2022 third-round pick to the Miami Dolphins and received the third pick in the draft. Now, obviously, everyone's now thinking, all right, it's got to be a quarterback, got to be a quarterback. The three names attached to the pick are Trey Lance, Justin Fields, and then the guy who somehow uh, seems to be the front runner for that job right now is Mac Jones. Um, Jonathan, when you look at those three quarterbacks, and I say that those three are, you know, the three guys that that are up for the pick, do you see a significant um, ta- maybe maybe it's talent discrepancy between one of the guys, or, or do you see a, a guy who stands out out of that group of three? It's not necessarily that I see something that stands out. I do see a little... Look, Chad, honestly, I don't see necessarily a, a, a talent discrepancy between these guys. Right. Um, What I see is different styles. Yes, absolutely. That's what I see, right? Mac Jones, uh, more for traditional pocket passer quarterback, but showed some really good agility stuff in his pro day. Yeah, he did. Um, yeah, he did. Surprised a lot of yeah. people with that. He's not Kyle Trask. He's not a statue. No, no, not at all. Not at all. all right? I still don't think he's 
obviously he's not the athlete that any of those other guys at the top of the draft are, but still a lot more mobility than people kind of had expected from him. Right. Um, Trey Lance had a really good pro day, um, but I think he's really raw. And if you're taking a guy like Trey Lance, you're basing it off his ceiling. Yes. Not his floor, because right. his floor is probably lower than the two other guys. Absolutely, I agree. But if you put him in the right system, he can be maybe a Cam Newton type of quarterback. Mm. Yeah, I think right? I, I agree because I think accuracy is probably the biggest issue with his game right now. And, and Justin Fields, I don't know what people's issue is. With Justin Fields, I, I get that he had a awful game against Northwestern, um, but he came back and he bounced back against the uh, Clemson. Yeah, exactly. He had a huge game, which to and me, he was injured. Yeah, and that's the I mean that's the sign of a of a quarterback is how you know if you have like you said you have one poor performance does that turn into two three four consecutive? No, for him he had a bad game immediately bounced back and. Then in the biggest game of their season against Clemson, he, sh- he showed out on the biggest stage. So, um, you know, it, I don't think he's going to be the same quality of quarterback as this guy or think he was the same quality of college quarterback. But don't you feel a little Deshaun Watson-ish coming from him um, in the sense that there are these other guys who are more unknown, more of the Mitchell Trubisky types, if you will, that are kind of leapfrogging him in the draft and all of a sudden people are like, wait, Deshaun Watson is a guy who we've seen do it on the stage for a long time. Why are we surprised that he's doing well at the NFL right now? This is the thing also that I think, Chad, and you're absolutely right. I think there is this weird fine balance of not having enough tape and enough starts. Yes. And then having too much tape Absolutely. where I'm going back and I'm looking at you and just keep looking for the flaws. Yeah, and if you look at these three guys – Fields does have the most starts uh, of the three guys. He has 22 starts. And then actually Lance and Jones both have 17, which is hilarious because to me, Lance is seen as such a huge long-term project. Um, And I get it. His starts are at the FCS level. So it's going to be a little bit more of a learning curve adjustment um, versus Mac Jones, who was playing in the SEC. But um, you'd have thought Mac Mac Jones had 50 starts under his belt and Trey Lance had, had, you know, played three games. Um, the way a lot of people talk about it more so. Yeah, and Justin Fields, you can't forget about him also playing those games at Georgia as a freshman, yeah. which he was misutilized, in my opinion. Yeah, they thought he was Taysom Hill for some reason. <laughs> True, because all he did was run the football, right? Get yeah. the direct snaps. Um, But I also think people can kind of hesitate on the type of quarterback that comes out of Ohio State because of the system that they've run, right? So, but this is one thing that I've heard from Mel, from Mel Kuyper, right? Scouts need to project. And sometimes there isn't tape that shows a guy can do something. So it's your job to project. Right. Honestly, that game against Clemson, Blew my mind how well he played. Absolutely. I think it was by far the best game he ever played in college. It, and he's such a big stage, right? Kind of like a Deshaun Watson. He played really well on the big stages. Yep, yep. And I think it hurt him. I mean, I don't know if it hurt him necessarily, but it was a bit underwhelming for him to then perform how he did in the title game. But 
I mean, that team was overmatched and also as hurt as he was, you know, it's a miracle he was even able to play in that game, much less be effective. So So, to answer your question, I I just see three guys who are completely different. Yeah. And it's like whatever is your favorite flavor of ice cream, vanilla, strawberry or chocolate. You're going to choose that guy. Yeah, and I think that's really the the thing that matters the most nowadays because, you know, right now, let's be honest, the buzz is they traded up to get this pick so that they can select Mac Jones, um, a guy who, I'll be honest, you know, if you line those three quarterbacks up 10 times out of 10, I'm going to pick Mac Jones third out of those three. But guess what? It doesn't matter what I think or you think or you know, where people have them going in mock drafts or on their big board necessarily. Like you said, it's just about one team falling in love with you. And, you know, if if Kyle Shanahan sees a lot of... But Jonathan, to me, regardless of, you know, who you who they take in this pick... when So San Francisco, when they first made this trade, obviously they came out, had a big press conference, all that, said Jimmy G was going to be their guy for this season. Um and said they they didn't know who they were going to or that they weren't keyed in on one guy at number 3. Now, if that's just a lie and they're throwing smoke signals whatever, but if they really don't know, the theory is as well, maybe they like Zach Wilson um you know, but they hope he's going to fall maybe. And it's between Zach Wilson and Mac Jones who I guess is going to maybe be their pick. The thing I'm trying to get to is if they're comfortable with Mac Jones or they think Mac Jones is in play for being the third best quarterback in this draft and they want to go get him with that third pick, Jonathan, what's the what's the ceiling of what a the third best quarterback in a class is going to be? Because let's be honest, you know, we talk about all these classes that have five quarterbacks. Um, obviously, I think, what was it, 84 was the famous one. Um, mm-hmm. And then even, you know, a couple years ago in 2018 um, yep. when we had the five guys going the first never in any situation do five of them hit if anything it's maybe like two will hit um and what we've seen in 2018 you know what's the definition of hit um so i think you 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 know even in that class you could say two guys have hit um and then there one absolutely is not and then two who are still up in the air so what do you think the number three quarterback in this class can realistically be do you think it can 100 percent be a franchise quarterback well let's think about it in the 2018 draft, yeah. the guy that was taken third, yes, he became the best quarterback. That's Josh Allen. Yeah, yes, he has. You know, so the guy about, that was talking about as a third quarterback, not third. As overall. A th- yes, the yeah. third quarterback taken. Um, because Sam Darnold was a third overall yeah, pick. I was gonna say, I was yeah, yeah. Darnold ended up being, I, I would say, the second worst quarterback, and of course Rosen. And then I don't know between Baker and Lamar. No, no, come on. No, yeah, Lamar should be number two. Yeah, yeah. That's okay, how, that's how I'd rank him right now today. But I don't think when you move up to three, right? You have to be pretty comfortable with either Zach Wilson or your guy, right? There. It's not because Zach, will, I'm sorry, Mac Jones or your guy is the be, is the third best quarterback in this draft. It's because that's your guy. And yeah, you got to exactly. make sure that nobody takes your guy. 
Yeah, and you're, yeah, you're not going to move out two first and a third round pick in the future just to get a guy who you're like, who you like. You're going to go out like you said and get the guy who you fall in love with, damn near. And, and that's the thing. I, and you talked about a little bit about Matt Ryan, uh, kind of Kirk Cousin ish for Shanahan as well. I was going to say, ironically, another guy who's been linked heavily with San Francisco the whole time Shanahan's been there. So. They're, all those signs are pointing to him, but you don't know. Oh, yeah. Right? Absolutely but, not. But it's their guy. Whatever it is, it's their guy. Now, they got to be prepared for their guy to be off the board. Because you don't know. We don't know who the Jets are thinking about. I mean, everybody wants to sit here and tell me it's Zach Wilson, right? Yeah. But did it? Was it Sam Darnold? Yeah. The guy I, until Baker Mayfield came out? I was going to say, Sam, Sam Darnold was a Cleveland Brown until they selected Baker Mayfield the night of the draft. That's why I, that's why I think 2018 could be the, the draft where you're really comp- that really compares favorably to this one. And I know it was only a couple years ago, but I think there are some already some lessons we can kind of take away from that draft and apply to this one. Oh, no doubt. You know, um, but I think... So then obviously now the next question about it, right? We talked about the press conference and how we talked about the second part um, about, you know, them not saying it. The The first part I want to talk about was the they said that Jimmy G is their guy this year. Now, do you think they're 100 percent bought in on that? Or yeah, you, right. Or, or what do you he has two years left. He's got twenty five. He's twenty five million dollar cap hit this year. And I think twenty six and a half next year um, with mm-hmm. lower guarantees. For each of these two years, I think like thirteen million guaranteed next year, um, off the top of my head or something like that. Um, what do you see as a realistic market for him? And also, how how pushed do you think San Francisco is going to be to trade him uh, right now or before this season starts? Well, I think they're saying all the right things to keep his value high, right? Absolutely. Um, let's go to twenty nineteen, right? Cliff Kingsbury. Josh Rosen is my guy. That was, you know? the, all, that was the all-time one. <laughs> because everyone knew he was lying through his teeth as soon as he said it. And I think they're lying to their team for Jimmy G, too. Look, man. You... They gave up not only this year's first-round pick, which is a given, but they gave an additional two first-round picks. Yeah. So why are you going to keep this guy around? No, completely. You got to find, you know, I, I don't think Jimmy G. Well, I don't know. Do you think they could fetch a first round pick for Jimmy G? I don't think so. I, I no. Would, yeah. Well, they're going to have to restructure his deal. See, I don't know. I don't I don't think his deal is a bad deal. I mean, realistically, in this market to pay a quarterback 51 million over the next two years, I don't think that's anything to, to really gripe about or anything to complain about by any means. I, I see two teams. Okay. Philadelphia, <laughs> you gotta you gotta bring in some competition to Jalen Hurts. <laughs> no, I thought he's their guy though. They're all in on him. That's what Philly's telling me. And we're gonna talk about yeah. this later. Yeah, we'll get to their side of it right after this. I think Chicago is also a very plausible place to go. Absolutely, he's from that area too. Also, uh, yes, Eastern Illinois, I believe. Yep. So good old Tony Romo's. There uh, you go. I'm a mater. My boy. Um, I'm not sure if Carolina rolls the dice. I have Carolina thoughts that 
I guess I'll just say it. I don't think, go ahead. So David Tepper, their owner, right? He's a hedge fund guy. Yes. He's looking for the inefficiency. The hedge fund guy is all about the inefficiency. Um, and to me, the the thing with him, he's not going to want to pay a premium for any guy that he goes and gets. So I think to me, he's really looking at does he? He has to make a decision now. Does he want to move up into the four five range, or does he want to go get Sam Darnold or Jimmy Garoppolo? And I just think to him, it's going to depend on what he gets the which one he gets can get the best bang for his buck. Now, I'm not saying that's one way or the other, but I'm just saying I think that's what it'll come down to in the end. And I don't, I couldn't see Garoppolo going there though. I just. But can I ask you a question? Yeah, absolutely. If you have that mentality of the hedge fund guy, yep, fund. <laughs> eh, it's a it's a rough day. <laughs> it's Wednesday. <laughs> <laughs> but why do they pay so much money to Teddy Bridgewater? Because this is literally about the same deal. Yeah, and I would say Garoppolo is a significantly better quarterback. Um, well, I think the Teddy deal was one of those where. You know, in the beginning, right when you when they signed the deal, you've already got the script on what it is planned out, right? It's the bridge guy. We're looking to see if we can maybe get uh, you know catch lightning in a pan, compete right away. If not, he's a guy who can control the locker room and all this other jazz. Now, I think what it really boiled down to was they didn't want Matt Rule going into his first season as a head coach with no plan at quarterback at all, with no NFL level guy there at all. Um, they didn't want his first season to kind of set it off on that foot. So that's kind of why they brought in Teddy and they structured the deal in a way that it's not really hindering them from making any moves long-term, I would think. True. So, so any other destinations that you got for Jimmy G? Because honestly, even if he stays, yeah, right. Which, which I, I, just for the record, I think is really a very real possibility. But honestly, Chad, I feel like he would be walking himself into a Ryan Fitzpatrick situation that even if he's 3-3, three and three, the fans are going to be clamoring for that guy that they drafted to go win, especially for how much you gave up. To me, I think he's much closer to – and maybe – I don't know. I, I, I feel like I like Jimmy G a lot more than most people do. Um, but he keeps getting injured. 100%, but I think that's the thing is – his, I don't think the reason why they're all of a sudden in on a quarterback is because of the drop-off of play in Jimmy G. I think it has more so to do with the fact that they don't think he can stay healthy 100% of the time. So I think you can still give Jimmy a situation where, hey, go out and play this year. I still think he gives them a really good chance to win. They still have a great roster, a bunch of guys coming back off injury. Um and, you know, this can be the Alex Smith type of season more so than I would say a Ryan Fitzpatrick or something. You know, another guy who is a bridge. I think he's in the upper, complete upper echelon of whatever a bridge quarterback is, I would say, is the way I would frame it. Yeah, but. And also, also another mm-hmm. thing, I think the Shanahan system is so complicated that whichever one of those guys they draft is going to take a long time for him to learn it unless they just have a guy who is just picking shit up left and right. Well, according to Chris Sims, the <laughs> the style is very simple. You just got to read one guy. 
Well, also, also has Kelly Mon as his QB four. I was gonna say late I, first I, round. I don't know. I don't have any Chris Sims comments right now. Honestly, I, I don't know what to say about him. Um, but yeah, so so I think Jimmy G could still have a fantastic year, and we could truly see kind of like the the Patrick Mahomes type of situation this year with San Francisco. Yeah, and it kind of gives him the opportunity. To, to bump up his uh, trade value a little bit, right? He Absolutely. has a good season. Yeah, because I was going to so, say, I don't think the team is going to be in a rush to move him because they probably think if he puts together a nice little season, you know, with the team again, then maybe he can, like you said, they can maybe possibly push to get a first-round pick back in return for him. Um, and also, I think part of what go is going to go into it, they're not going to want to just put a rookie out there and take their lumps, so to speak, um, because they owe that first-round pick to – um, to you guys this year, yeah, or next year, I mean, sorry. Well, um, next year Philadelphia has it. Oh yeah, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Yeah, so they, yeah, so they. Oh no, I'm sorry. No, 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 no. I'm sorry. No, no, Philly. Has Miami has it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry, a lot of moving pieces. Um, but yeah, so so they have that first round pick. They don't control their first round pick. We know that for sure. And yeah, you don't want to be turning over. You don't want to be Houston, right? You don't want to be turning over the third pick in the draft or something like that. So I, I, I'm not saying that is going to be completely motivating to why Jimmy G might stay and be the quarterback, but I'm just saying it's probably going to play at least some part of a factor. It has to be in the back of the mind. Chad. Yeah. What What's your grade for the, for the 49ers? Uh, I, give them a, I give them a B minus. I was – and it all depends on – what the actual quarterback ends up being. Because like you said, none of us could believe in Mac Jones and they can draft Mac Jones and we can say the trade's maybe not so great right now. But in two years, if Mac Jones is a guy who looks like he can be the cornerstone for your franchise, then we'll be giving everybody an A. So I would say B minus slash incomplete for right now. I'll give it a B. <laughs> uh, I kind of... Man, Miami really... Kind of swindled with that third first round that pick, right? That was the thing to me when I was like, man, a third first. And I get yeah. moving up nine spots is a lot. Like, moving up nine spots is no joke. Especially, I think, with the tier discrepancy that we're going to get into in a second um, when we kind of talk about Philly. Um, I think that because there was such kind of a drop, like, when you look at the prospects that are going to be available at three versus 12, I just think the talent is so severely different mm. um, that that's kind of why they had to throw that third first round pick in there. Well, funny, right? Because honestly, I would have been happy with an additional second. Yeah. What, this year? Any year. Oh, okay. I got you. Yeah. I mean, most fans, including myself, I will love to get it this year because I'm so short-sighted and I haven't really looked at guys coming out next year and what the potential value is for that pick next year. True, very true. So, of course, as a fan, it's like, I want more picks right now. But there's a reason why I'm in a podcast, you know, <laughs> on a Wednesday night uh, and not in the Dolphins or the 49ers front office, right? Because these guys are not thinking about just this year. You just They're haven't gotten about your, next year. You just haven't gotten your break yet. That's the only reason why. It has nothing to do with ability. Oh, man. <laughs> I can watch tape all game, man. <laughs> Hey, man, you're just eating away at it, right? Down in the basement, no lights on, just grinding away at game tape. So the lights are on because I need to write on my notebook. Ah, fair, fair. 
Um, yeah, so I think that can kind of wrap the 49ers side. Jonathan, let's go ahead and take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to go ahead and discuss the Eagles side. And then uh, a little bit later, you know we're going to talk about the Dolphins as well. What's up, guys? Welcome back. Um, we just finished talking about the 49ers side of the this crazy uh, day in trades. Now let's go ahead and talk about the Eagles, Jonathan. They traded away the sixth pick in the draft to Miami. Um, they received the 12th pick in this draft, the 123rd pick, which is a fourth-round compensatory pick, mm-hmm. um, and a 2022 first-round pick from Miami. So that 2022 first is the Miami first-round pick next year. Um, your immediate thoughts with the trade from the Eagles' perspective? Well, I guess they're going to roll with Jalen Hurts, right? Well, yeah, and I, I think this means a lot for Jalen Hurts. You can kind of spin it one of two ways. You can spin it either way depending on if you're Team Jalen Hurts or not Team Jalen Hurts. But I, I want to hear which side – which kind of side you you kind of looked at it from? Well, you know I don't like Jalen Hurts, right? <laughs> yeah, that I do. <laughs> I have heard that once or twice. I I don't know, man. Like, honestly, by moving down and only really acquiring a fourth and a first, um, number one, you you completely put yourself out of the competition to grab yourself a stud playmaker. Yep. Because, honestly, you might be lucky if Waddle's still on the board at 12. I would say more than lucky. More than lucky. Absolutely. Right? So, I know they need a lot of things, (laughs) but... That's a good way to say... That's a nice way of saying they suck. Yeah, right? it's, It's... if you want to give Jalen Hurts a fair shot, then you need playmakers. Now, granted, there are going to be some playmakers during the second round, yeah. but you're not getting a generational guy. Yeah. Um, I, I, I'm not a fan, right? I don't know why they <laughs> did it. It doesn't make any sense to me. Yeah. Um, because it- I'm anti Jalen Hurts, and what I see for the Eagles. Maybe with that conventional fourth, maybe swindling some things around, they can find another quarterback, maybe early day three, just and see dar- if they can develop. Just getting darts on the dartboard. I guess, but not enough. No, a- absolutely. I meant, you know, it, I, I almost feel bad for, for how we're about to uh, – kind of look at this from Philly's perspective because I think both of us are I actually have a lot more problems with them from the front office perspective I think mm-hmm. I mean you guys know or anyone that's listened to this podcast knows that I think I could get Howie Roseman's job tonight um if I had the opportunity uh, is, is they keeping the uh application portals closed because of you Chad <laughs> I appreciate that, man. I appreciate you for letting me know because I, I I lose my I lose sleep at night knowing that I can't apply for it or that I don't have the uh, way to apply for it yet. Yeah. <laughs> um, but to me, so you know, you talk about all in on hurts, and and I agree with you for this season that it means that. But mm-hmm. I think the the pickup of the extra first round pick kind of allows them to now put themselves in a situation where they have three first round picks in next year's draft, most likely, 
right? They get the conditional first from the Col- or not conditional, but they'll get the first round pick from the Colts next year. Um, mm-hmm. If you know Carson Wentz meets those checkpoints, I think it's play seventy. Yeah, I was gonna say basically as long as he doesn't get hurt, um, knock on wood, then he'll he'll um, meet those checkpoints, and then it'll become you know a first round pick, and then they'll have a shitty first with the Colts, uh, probably another so-so to shitty first, I would say, with you guys, and then yep. their own first-round pick. So you'll have two. Which should be shitty. No, I think that pick's probably going to be really good because I think they're going to be. No, I mean, sorry. Their team is shitty. Yeah. They're so, going to have, like, a guaranteed yeah, probably that, top six pick again. Yeah, I was going to say, and that's what I was going to say. Out of three first-round picks that they're boasting about, they'll have one that I would say is it can be the – lead piece in what i would call a trade Mm. Um, my thing is is that going to be a trade for because i think they're already starting to you know build the backup in case jalen hurts um isn't that guy and i'm not look first off i I don't really care one way or the other if jalen hurts is or isn't going to be a really good quarterback um i guess from a cowboys fan's perspective i hope he isn't but you know personally towards him i don't really care um one way or the other And I know you feel the exact same way, but I just don't see the NFL-ness when I watch him, I guess is the best way to put it. I don't see NFL quarterback when I watch him. Um, So now I think that that means Philly – and I think Philly doesn't know yet, right? They really don't know. He started four games last year, was one and three, completed 52%. um, But all of Philadelphia Eagles Twitter thinks that he's the savior um, for whatever reason. Uh, Um. They put themselves in a. <laughs> the guy went one and four for fifty-five percent completion percentage. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't. Yeah, like I said, I, I don't, I don't understand. I, I'm, I'm not, I'm not, I don't know where they're selling the Jalen Hurts Kool Aid at, but apparently, I'm the only person who hasn't been to the, been to that corner store or that grocery store yet. Um, Shit, I didn't <laughs> even know they made it. <laughs> Except maybe in Philly, maybe in Philly. Oh, for sure. Well, that's I gotta big... drive up there. No, because it's definitely trickled down to Virginia. Because I've heard, I've had some people tell it to me too that Jalen Hurts is going to be the franchise, no problem. Um, but it allows them to, you know, with the with the addition of that third first round pick, it allows them to set themselves up if the Jalen Hurts goes wrong to either get the whoever the number one quarterback is next year. Um, or it allows him to maybe trade for an established quarterback. Now, you know, I know right now looking at it, we don't see that there's going to be a consensus number one quarterback. Mm-hmm. Um, but those things always change, man. Like, you know, by yeah. the time the draft comes around, there's going to be at minimum two guys who, you know, probably are going to go both inside the top five, probably one and two or something yep. like that. Because we're to the point nowadays where it's really two drafts that go on. Right. There's the teams that need quarterbacks and then there's the teams that don't need quarterbacks. And those two teams are, are playing in two different competitions, but it's all getting formed into funneled into one draft. Right. Um, and Philly could could be in that situation where they're one of the teams that's looking for a quarterback. Um, who, who, who does this look like to you? What, for for twenty twenty two, you mean? Yeah. I mean, I think that I think right now, if you were to say be under the that assumption that I just made where it's like they're going to be two guys for sure. I think yeah. you have to say Caden Slovis and Sam Howell. Oh, no, 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 no. I mean the Eagles. Who, who does this team remind you of? Oh, who does the 2022 Eagles remind me of? Yeah. Or the 2021 Eagles. Can I 
Fuck. No, not go a, ahead and guess. I mean, you're going to say a team that just wasn't very good, and I'll probably agree just because they weren't very good. But And, and then had three first-round picks the following year. Uh, the, the the Dolphins team that had three first-round picks? Yeah. I mean, yeah. we came out with two out of five. Yep. Right? Our, our own first-round pick. We came with uh, 18... I think it was the Minka Fitzpatrick yeah. trade. We, we, we and, got Austin Jackson, right? Yep. Yep. And then we had the Texans pick was in the late 20s, but we traded back. To get toast. Yeah, good old Igbo. <laughs> um, so I, I call him toast after watching the uh, LSU-Auburn <laughs> <laughs> from two years ago. But, but that's what it sounds like, right? I just – I, I, I don't be surprised – can, can I tell if you if this team just keeps going down, they're betraying some good players like Darius Slay and stuff like that. Oh no, for sure. And I think that's a hundred percent in the cards for Philadelphia. My only thing is those Dolphins teams, you could actually see and I know uh I kind of blow I'm maybe I blow too much smoke up up the Dolphins, but I think they've done a fantastic job over the past five years or so. Um three, three. No, because I think it's been a longer. Well, you're, okay, you're he started right. with the firing of Adam Gase. Yeah, yeah, I was gonna say basically anything post Gase. Yeah, that from that point the decision, on, the decision, the decision, yeah. to move on from quarterback gurus. Yeah, so from that point on, basically they've been, I would say, hovering between a B plus and an A for pretty much every move. Um, yep. But Philly, yeah, I think Philly is going to could easily start selling off parts almost in an NBA style type of way mm-hmm. um, where it's just the acquisition of picks. Uh, they're all, they have bad contract situations, which makes it, you know, even more for them, they would want to trade these guys. I don't know how much that means you're actually going to, you could realistically fetch in return for some of these higher price guys, uh, you know, like Zach it doesn't Ertz. matter. No, yeah, I mean the thing, try to get something out of it. Yeah. And the thing is you get a, you, you kind of are, are, adding to two assets at once, right? You're getting whatever mm-hmm. you're going to get from this pick, and also you're improving the quality of what your pick's going to be next year because yep. you're making your team worse a little bit, you know, by each move that you make as well. The only thing is, if you do that, then how can you honestly evaluate Jalen Hurts? Because I think You by, don't. You don't. Well, but I, but you can't go a whole year, though, and still – like, you can't be sitting here at, on this day next year – Still saying the same questions about Jalen Hurts that you have right now. You, you can't can. Say, why? Why can you, though? Look, Chad, if Jalen Hurts is the savior, he's going to win football games. No, agreed. Completely. So, but, but can we? Yeah. Let, let, let's look at it. Let's take Philly fans. Let's take, you know, Main Street, Philadelphia, all those guys. Let's get them out of here, okay? Let's talk like football. Yeah. He's not going to be that. He's going to be somewhere between, I think his ceiling would be Dak Prescott in his early years type of, you need a good, really, really strong supporting cast around him, and he can be a a pretty good player, to, you know, his floor is backup who's really, you know, just an athlete who can maybe come in every once in a while and sprinkle a play. Well, if that's his ceiling... And that he needs that strong supporting cast. I'm pretty sure that during your evaluation period for 2022, it, 
it's clear that you need to move on. Yeah, no, that's what I'm saying. So they that's need, what, so they need to figure out though within the next year what Jalen Hurts is. Yeah, and I I don't think that they have to give him a good supporting cast to necessarily evaluate him. Uh, I mean, look, I I agree, but at the same time, I would like to. I mean, I would at least like to give him somewhat of a fair chance if I'm looking at it from the Eagles front perspective. Well, because if if I'm not going to give him a fair chance, then what the hell did I do taking him in the second round? Which, trust me, we all know that was a dumb move when it happened. But that's but the thing, maybe, Chad. At least kind of understand that you made a bad move with right. a lack of direction and just cut your losses. I don't need to give Jalen Hurts a fair shot. I, I Maybe I already realized that this wasn't a good idea. But now I'm kind of stuck with him. I'm in the middle. I can't win right now. But he's probably the best option that I have. So I'm going to roll him out there. Now, he plays lights out. The Eagles are in on every football game. And you can literally say at the end of some of these games, like, hey, if Jalen just had one more weapon or a better block here, we could have won this game. We could have. We were competitive. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Keep building. Take those three first-round picks in 2022 and build something. But if the team lacks competition, maybe you kind of lose the locker room a little bit, which is a little bit dangerous. But like, move on. Yeah. And yeah, bad bad second round pick. Hopefully, we learned our lesson. Right. And it, it it's kind of the 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 life or not lifelong, but the the long standing debate between you know, do you do everything you can to salvage a sunken cost asset? Um, Josh Rosen. Right, exactly. And I think Rosen obviously had more investment in him because he was just I mean, he was a top ten pick, so Yes. Um the the you know, investment in Hertz is I would say minuscule in comparison, but at the same time still a very big investment. Um a second round pick. I mean, we've seen you can still get Pro Bowl, all pro type players, instant impact guys, you know, at that in, in that round. Chad. Yeah. You you talk about how you are a business major, yeah, and you you're trying to understand it, you know hedge funds and guys that think like that, right? David Tepper. Okay, you might put a make a big investment on something, yeah, but as soon as you see the ship churning, do you just sit there or do you cut your losses? Do you have to give it a fair <laughs> shot and wait around? No, you're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. You do you do not have to do that. And, and that's why, honestly, I hope all the best for the kid. It's just like you said. But at the end of the day, the NFL is a business. And if you can't perform to a certain level, there are other guys out there that can probably take your job. Yep. yep. And that's what's going to happen. Look, throw him out there. Prepare him. You're not going to be able to feel the best team around him. At, at all. But if he's something, he's the future, he's going to seize on that opportunity, you know, and, and succeed. At least make the team competitive. The, the eye test, man. Yeah. Sometimes just making the team competitive, keeping them in there, man, that goes a long way. Oh, yeah, of course. It's the... Um... It's the it's the or even just giving the mantra to your fans, you know that yep. you, that you're doing that. I mean, that was the famous Lakers 
move when they tanked for five straight years, but because they paid a couple of guys who were way past their prime a little bit of money, uh, people thought of it as something other than tanking. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, I, I, to me, it's just a matter of – and at what point is Philly's timeline for Jalen Hurts, I think, to me, is the thing. Do they want to know by the end of this season or by the end of next season – what they have with that guy, or do they, they or do have, they, or do they already mm-hmm. feel like they know right now that they don't have anything with them? So I'm starting to feel like they already know that they don't have in it with him. Yeah, which makes it honestly even more stupid that they traded Carson Wentz. But you know, we're not gonna we're not gonna do that. We've already done we've already done that rant. Um, because quick question, yeah. and I hate to jump so far. No, please. What direction do you go at pick twelve? That's exactly. There's no waddle. I'm there's no pits. Because I was. There's gonna, no chase. I was going to say, let's, who you got? Let's talk about the real. This isn't just a. You know, this doesn't. This isn't like the when the 49ers went back from two to three, right? This mm-hmm. isn't one of those where you're still really within the same tier of prospects, or you still kind of, or even what we're going to talk about, what Miami did, where you still now have a legitimate chance at getting the same guy, or at least the same type of guy that you were going to get you know, before the trade or before the trade back. Now they're going from, like you said, where they could have gotten an elite playmaker, a Kyle Pitts, um, a Jamar Chase, uh, Jalen Waddle, Devontae Smith, any of those guys, pretty much they would have had their pick of the litter. Versus mm-hmm. to now, they're not going to get any of those guys. They're not going to get any of the quarterbacks. They're not going to get probably Penny Sewell, who's the elite O-lineman of the group. Now they're looking at, you know, are they going corner? Um, we're going to talk about those guys in a little bit. You know, Sertan, yep. Fairley, J.C. Horn. Um, are they getting a linebacker maybe? Maybe a guy who can provide some pressure. Uh, Jalen Phillips type, something like that. Um, or are they going to go O-line? You know, Rashawn Slater out of Northwestern if he's available. Um, but now it just it, it takes Philly controlling their own destiny, I think, out of it a whole lot more. And best case scenario, I still don't think they're going to get a player anywhere near as good as what they could have gotten at six. They're going to get, if they're smart and it pans out, a solid starter. Right. Right? But they're not going to get uh, if, a game-changing talent. Yeah. Yeah. And and I think, to me, what they uh, one of the things that they really wanted to weigh is, right, when you get a guy who is – one of those explosive playmakers that we talked about coming in the draft. Really one of those explosive, let's just call them receivers because that's really what Pitts is. I mean, yes. receivers, playmaker. Pass whatever. catcher. Yeah, pass catcher, playmaker, whatever you want to call them. Those guys usually are going to be instant impact type of guys. Mm-hmm. And I think Philly made the determination, kind of like what we've been talking about. They know that they're not going to have a team that's going to be worth a damn in 2021 or probably 2022. And then by then, you're two years down of the contract, and you have two years before you have to pay a guy an absurd amount, maybe not absurd, but a, a large dollar figure you know, to be your number one receiver or your number one pass catcher. So I think they looked at it as, we're not going to want to waste that value of two years of the guy. But to me, if you're Philly, don't you just want to become a little bit more exciting? Like, watching that team was a chore last year. Don't you want to just become a little bit exciting, give something, give a little bit of excitement to your fans, to your team? 
I enjoy watching the opposing team's defenses chasing their quarterbacks down. <laughs> well, uh, and, and that goes back to, you know, could they go O-line at 12 if Rashawn Slater's available? But I just hate that we have to say if now, because if they had six, they could have just taken them at six. At this point, honestly, yeah, just keep trading now. Well, yeah, because now, because the thing is, twelve is almost kind of the sweet spot where you're starting that, or not sweet spot, but maybe kind of the worst spot where you're kind of starting that third tier of prospects, and then there's maybe a range of you know seven to eight guys who might all kind of be in that tier as well. Yeah, and maybe maybe one of those big five QBs kind of falls. Yeah, someone wants yeah. to trade in, trade up to get into the yep. conversation. Could easily see that happening as well. Um, and at that point, then it kind of depends on what extra assets they're able to, you know, how much extra are they able to spin this into? Um, yep. But still, overall, I just think it screams about a lack of, they understand that there's a lack of roster talent with the team right now, and they want to be able to improve it within, I think they have a two-year timeline right now with what they're doing. Yeah, and honestly, from the outside looking in, without knowing all the details, yeah. it just looks like there's a lack of direction in the organization. 100%. And that's what happens when you hire a first-year coach with no experience like Nick Sirianni, and you don't really have that strong infrastructure within the organization, within the front office. No doubt. So, um, Jonathan, overall grade for you for Philadelphia's side of things? C-. minus. Yeah, I was a little bit more kind. I gave him a C, but yeah, overall, I, could, I, I think... It's a bit like canned, unwarmed canned soup. Kind of left us both just, eh. Um, I don't like warm canned soup, so. <laughs> well, yeah, exactly. I wouldn't have liked the trade even if it was just, uh, I, I don't know. I, I just, even if At least was, a third, right? Maybe a third and a fifth next year? That's the, yeah. I mean, <laughs> just so many, so many things that they could have done or whatever that they just didn't do. Like soup, you know. You could have done this, could have done that. Ended up doing nothing. Could have ordered a pizza. Uh, could have made something, but ended up just eating canned soup. Um, mm. Which is ironic because Donovan McNabb was the Campbell's guy for so long. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, Jonathan, we're going to go ahead and take another quick break. And then probably the part everyone's been waiting for. We're going to talk about the Dolphin side of things um, on this trade when we come back. All right, guys, here to wrap up and talk about the third part of this crazy, crazy day that was NFL trades. We're talking about it from the Dolphins' perspective. Uh, Jonathan's been itching since we started. No, I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. Uh, the Dolphins, Jonathan, received the sixth pick. Yep. A 2021 fifth-round pick, 156 overall. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that was from the Philly side of things where they gave – um the th fourth yes correct where they gave him the fourth yeah and uh and pick 12 mm -hmm. um and then from san francisco they got a 2022 first a yes. 2022 third and a 2023 first jonathan your initial reaction dolphin side you can go fan perspective you can go is it fair to call you a member of the media? Uh, you can go whichever side you want to go. Which way do you want to take this? This is your team. I want to give you the lead, boss. Let me just let me just call the ISO for you and clear out of the way. Nah, man, you you're my lead blocker. 
There you make go. things easy for me. There we go. I don't even have to have vision. <laughs> there you go. I just run. There you go, Trent Richardson. There you go. Uh, pretty much, but not as fast. <laughs> Maybe not even half as fast. Uh, uh, I mean, Chad, the dumb thing here would have been to stay at three and not take a quarterback. Absolutely. Completely right? agree. And we talked about this when we were talking about the 49ers, but the fact that they were able to wrangle that third first round pick, I was like, whoa. You know? Yeah, exactly. Good, good stuff. Exactly. Now, that, that 2023 third is what kind of set off the San Francisco part of the trade, for sure. And when they only announced the San Francisco trade, I'm like, hmm, 12, we're not going to get the best guy. At that point, I was like, let's keep trading down, right? Let's keep getting more guys. Um. Cause you know I have a, a crush on Terrace Marshall. Of course you do. I know you're, um, you're gonna you're gonna you're gonna by by the time the draft comes around you're gonna convince me he's going six. <laughs> at least at least don't be surprised if in that early twenties. Oh no, he's sneaking into the first round. I, I, no doubt. I hate that people are calling him a second round receiver. That's just because there's too many receivers. Well, yeah, that's true. First round talent, but may go in the second. Right. Yeah. You can but, always. I don't know if you know this, but you can only select 32 guys in the first round. So Sometimes 31 if you lose a pick. That's true. Shout out New England. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, yeah, man, look, you you traded back up to six, so it, it's going to put you in a position to draft an elite game-changing prospect, right? Whether it's a Kyle Pitts, whether it's a Jamar Chase. Uh, I like Chase a lot. But it, it puts you back. Literally, you move from three to six. You let another team take a quarterback, but you still got another first-round pick, and you sprinkle some additional picks in there too. So, heck, why not? Yeah, and to me, I think I think the thing is, is you still one, you give yourself a really good shot at getting one of the top two pass catchers. Um, we talked about the four guys, you know, when we were talking about Philly's perspective. Um, I think the you could probably, I don't know if I, I, I don't, I wouldn't say this is the general consensus, but I know for me, um, and you can let me know how you feel about this, but I think Chase and Pitts have kind of separated themselves as the top two of that kind of four person group. No doubt. So you still have a really good shot at getting one of those two guys. But you definitely guarantee yourself you're getting at least the third or fourth guy. And you know, I know people could say, wait, you guys just bashed San Francisco for getting the third quarterback. Completely different when you're talking quarterback versus receiver, right? You yeah. Can, you can – I think there – we can definitely say that receiver is more – you know, the, you can still bust, obviously, as a receiver. Uh, Darius Hayward Bay, Tavon, Tavon Austin, shout out to you guys. Um but Wake I think, on Treadwell? <laughs> yeah. Laquan Treadwell, I'm yeah, sorry. Yeah. And but, who's the other guy from TCU? From TCU? Uh, Josh Doxson. Doxson, yep. Yeah, went, to, went to Washington. I was so happy. Um, he, yeah, so there you can still be a busted receiver, but I just feel like it's there's still a good chance that you could have maybe three, four. You know, your number three overall pass catcher can still be an instant impact player versus the number three quarterback, which most likely is not going to produce that same way. And look, I'm going to say that, and this is very, uh, I guess, a homer bias. Okay. 
But I feel like Chris Gear and the whole organization, they're doing a pretty good job at reading these draft boards. 100%. I, think- I really think they understand oh, yeah. that other teams are going to move up to get their quarterback, and they're sitting in prime spot to just sit there and get their guy. And like you said, they're going to be able to draft one of the, the, you know, either Pitts or Chase. Granted, Most there likely. is a possibility. Yeah. There is a possibility because I've heard this being thrown around. Yeah. You know, Pitts to the Falcons, give them another shot with Matty Ice. Yep. And then, of course, Jamar Chase, you know, the link up with, with uh, Joey B. Yeah. But then and that, that still gives you your choice of Devontae Smith or Jalen Waddle. Not a big fan of those guys. Huh. So then where would you go at six if those guys were both off the board? Or I'm if, trading down. Okay, that makes sense. It's very very, very Belichickian. You know, if they're there, they're there. By some reason, they're not. That means a quarterback is still going to be there. Yeah. And I still can keep trading down. Yeah, I was going to say. Maybe I get him at an eight. Yeah, you're going to have interest for some from somebody if there's a quarterback available for sure. Look, man, too simple. Um... I give this grade an A, and I I do see this is as a sign that Miami is all in on Tua, and we're going to build around them. Yeah, and I think that that, for me, I think it's at least, I think it's good that they're giving him at least this year, right? And and I would argue that you could should probably even give him beyond this year, but then again, I'm not a Dolphins fan who's or, you know, really have any vested interest in the team. So I, I can't say. Um, but, but you know, this allows them, and I think that's kind of what where the difference is between the Jalen Hurts versus the Tua, which I think is the difference between being a second-round pick as a quarterback versus being the fifth overall pick as a quarterback. Yeah. Where, you know, like we talked about, when you have, you know, you're using way more capital on a quarterback when you're taking him fifth overall which means you're going to be more likely to, you know, when they first made the trade from 3 to 12, I'm not going to lie, I liked it. But at the same time, I was like, man, but that sucks that Miami's not going to be able to get an elite playmaker. Mm -hmm. And then they made the trade back up to 6, and I loved it again. You know, so I think that that shows, you know, not not only are they saying they're all in on Tua, but they're going to, the move up to 6 shows me that they're all in. They're making moves that coincide with what they're, you know, telling the media and and stuff like that. Yeah, and honestly, don't be surprised if there are more moves by the Dolphins coming up. More draft type moves, or you mean like what? When you say that, you can't just you know you got you got to sprinkle a little something extra on that for me. G- give me some, throw some stuff out there for me. Miami has shown they don't have a propensity to hold on to players if they don't see an exceptional value to that guy, right? Or at least that what they're paying. Yeah, 100%. Uh, I want to talk, talk about are. that in a second for sure. Yeah, they, they don't mind shipping guys off. Let me assume here. Are you talking about Kyle Van Noy? No, no, no. Well, so me and you, you know, uh-huh. we, we were exchanging texts and you were telling uh, the world about, or you were telling me and I'm going to tell the world about how, you know, your Terrace Marshall crush is growing and growing and about how you wanted Chase and Marshall. Yeah. Um, and then you said, you know, Dolphins show they have no problem, you know, if that meant getting rid of, say, Preston Williams or, or Devontae Parker or something like that. What has Preston Williams done for Miami? No, no. Besides have one or two good games, some nice catches. Like, fans are so stupid. Watch the whole thing. Yeah. Not just the highlights. I'm sorry. 
Go ahead, Jack. <laughs> no, no, you're good. You're good. I know that's just probably like a that's like an automated setting where as soon as I say Preston Williams' name, that that rant kind of just comes out of you. So oh, lo- love the guy, right? He's a really good pass catcher. Can't stay healthy, but he's just very inconsistent. Has the dropsies. Yeah, and as soon as you. By the way, just as soon as someone starts off with love the guy, that's how you know they're about to say something horrible about his play. <laughs> like that's dead giveaway for that's dead giveaway for the guy can't that was the number one characteristic about Solomon Thomas when he went third in twenty seventeen. <laughs> I love the guy. Yeah. Great character. Character. But um but no, I was saying from the perspective exactly like what you just said the dolphins if they don't feel like a guy is producing to the level they're paying him or the what they've invested in him they'll have no problem shipping him off right very mm-hmm. i mean you know where flores came from he came from the belichick tree right he's he yep. he so far has has replicated it the best out of anybody that has tried to do it right mcdaniel's couldn't do it patricia damn sure couldn't do it um trying to think of what other guys were kind of I mean Romeo Cronell yeah yeah. uh Charlie Wise yes god Bill O'Brien yeah okay so yeah we yeah all of those guys have done it to no success or very little success you know I still give my boy Billy OB a little bit of credit um on the coaching 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 I give Billy OB some coaching credit um but my thing is moving forward you know this the NFL, it's funny because the NFL is the vastly superior sport when it comes to popularity. Mm-hmm. I think the NBA innovates first and then the NFL kind of follows suit when it comes to organizational things as far as the league and like who's controlling the league and how the league is moving as a whole. Mm-hmm. You've seen this push in the NBA over the past decade of the player empowerment era, right? Yep. Where the, the, the player is taking control and pretty much nowadays in the NBA, the role of the GM is to be part GM and you're part therapist, right? You're 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 stroking the egos of the guys. You're telling everybody how great they are. You know, you're guaranteeing guys contracts when they really haven't shown you shit. You're doing stuff to help age. You're 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 just there to please. You're a pleaser. Right. And with this system, you know the the Belichick system, it is a hundred percent anti that. Okay, and you've kind of started to see the the player empowerment seep into the NFL, right? With some of these guys that are starting to, you know, I would say this summer is probably the first year where I can remember an NFL player, you know, either requesting a trade or really publicly coming out and saying, you know, hey, I wouldn't mind being on another team, yep. you know, after this season. And we've seen multiple guys come out. And I mean, fuck, Orlando Brown came out and did it due to fucking starting I'm a left tackle yeah yeah you know what I'm saying if 15 years ago I'd have told you hey there's a left tackle who's saying who's making trade requests you'd have told me get the fuck out of here but it's happening (laughs) told to get his bats (laughs) his back ass out there and play right tackle exactly exactly and my point is how do you think that this Dolphins era is going to be or this Dolphins regime is going to be able to mesh their style with the changing model of what it means to be a coach slash front office runner um in today's nfl with what the modern athlete is like psychologically wow that's a great question chad i i I appreciate that that is a complex question yeah i I told you i had some thoughts you did you well yeah (laughs) but i had some coffee so i think i can kind of nice explain this 
or at least try to answer this question to the best of my ability. I think at first, Miami's scouting department has done a really good job not only scouting the tape, but you got to scout the individual. You bring in guys that are going to buy, or at least you think are going to gonna buy, in what you're selling. Yes. Right? Absolutely. And they play that pleasing role because yes. they, do, they, they do. They say nice things about a lot of guys. They okay. say nice things about Josh Rosen, Tua Tonga Vailoa, Ryan Fitzpatrick, Kyle Van Noy. But you know what? Talk to me. They don't mind moving on when they're the the relationship doesn't provide a, an equal benefit to both sides. Right. They will move on. Yeah. Because they also understand that when they're good to a player, but the player wants to hold out, wants more money, they're gonna have to budge. Yeah. So they don't mind cutting their losses before that conversation comes into fruition. So Kyle Van Noy is the latest of example, right? Yes, he is. G- gave him a huge deal last year. Yeah. Said all great things about him. He is a real leader. Guy, <laughs> you know, true, true grit. <laughs> Super Bowl winner. Then all of a sudden, they came out. You're gone. Yeah. Same thing. With uh, Chad O'Shea last year, right? Miami kind of the offensive coordinator. Things kind of got pretty hot towards the end of the season. Right. Miami beat the Patriots. The dude got fired next year. Mm. Same thing with Chan Gailey. I'm sorry. Last the the, the <coughs> next day after the season was over, right. Chan Gailey got fired. Oof. You know, Laramie Tunsil got traded. That was a super unpopular trade. Yeah. You know they were talking about. In the media, the, the, the locker room was going to revolt. <laughs> but yeah. I think Greer and Flores, I, they're I, very combined, and they kind of know what they're working with within their own organization. Yeah. And if they don't like something, they don't take a moment to hesitate and make a change. Yeah. I just... The only thing I think of is, you know, if you were looking at the Dolphins as a stock right now, and we mm-hmm. talked about this, um, the stock hit rock bottom when, you know, right before the Adam Gase, or right around the time they made the decision to move on from Gase, I would say. Yeah. And we talked about maybe not, maybe not the media's favorite moves, right? Not everything that's going to win the press conference, but yep. they've consistently made moves from that point on. That have continued to make them go up, at, you know, for or towards a, a trajectory that is going to make them a better team. Pretty much every single move they've made, and, and that's the thing with the moves that they've been making, right? Yeah. At the beginning, very unpopular. Yeah. But as progression, you know, as it played out, mm-hmm. and it's going positive, right? More and more people are going to like. You know what? Yeah. They know what they're doing. And that, and so that, you might look stupid now, mm-hmm. but probability is this guy's smart. And and that's what I was what I was gonna get to is eventually there's gonna get to a point, and this isn't me, you know, like I said, I, I've not to the same extent as you, but I've sung the praises, I would say, as much as any neutral fan um of what Chris Greer has done and what, you know, Flores has brought um from the coaching side as well and what they've done kinda as a duo. My thing is, 
when they eventually, because every team does it, eventually mm-hmm. you're going to start taking a couple steps back. And then yeah. at that point, what does that look like from the, is everyone still going to be all, well, you know, we're just going to follow suit. So I'm not saying it's something, definitely not something that we can answer today or something that we can even attempt to answer today. But I would say just something to look look at, kind of keep a closeful watch, closeful eye on with the Dolphins kind of over the next couple years. But real quick, why? Why do they have to step back? I mean, Mike Tomlin has never had a losing season. No, 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 no. I'm not. You know? I, I'm not saying. Sorry, when I say step back, it's like at cert at a certain point, you're going to hit a plateau of what of how much you can realistically improve over a period of time. Where you're not, sure. you're not going to just continue like throughout his throughout their entire tenure, the team isn't just going to get better every single move under Greer and Flores. I think it's obviously, you know, obviously in theory, you can say, well. You know, they don't have to necessarily do that, but it's just the way the NFL is. You're not going to go 100% on these moves. Right. But as long as Miami is competitive, or NFL team for that reason, yeah, competitive and going into January football, right? it seems to be okay. And I think, Miami was stuck in a perpetual 7-9 yeah. and nine or 9-7, nine and, seven, and, and I think, that's when you had to step up. Yeah. I, I think the, the Pittsburgh side of it was honestly a great comparison when you just said it because Tomlin was one of those guys, I think a lot like Flores, right? A coach who was a tough, a tough coach who somehow immediately got respect very young in there. I mean, not somehow. It's because they won fairly early. But yes. a, a coach who got respect fairly early on in his coaching career. You know, there aren't usually you're not talking about guys who are in their first, maybe second year as a coach in the same regard that those guys were being talked about. So mm-hmm. I, I think that's a really good comparison. And it'll be interesting to see how, you know, they're able, if they're going to kind of model it as a hybrid version of, kind of a combination of New England and Pittsburgh wrapped up sure. in a one. So, all right, Jonathan, anything else you got to say about this, uh, about the trade? Anything else you have to say about the trade so far? I will say one thing, and I've said this before. Yeah. Um, draft picks are nice, uh, but only if you hit on them. Absolutely. So absolutely, we can be trading for more picks and more picks and more picks. But if they don't hit, this could truly be something that we could be like, hey, that was a bad trade. We should have sat there and and take a quarterback or have a chance to get the best guy. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, My overall draft grade is an A. Yeah. Uh, I think it'd be hard to – you'd be hard-pressed to find otherwise Um, unless it's just a guy who hates Miami, I guess. Um. That being said, Jonathan, that officially wraps the trade. Um, we're going to take another, our last break of the day. When we come back, we are going to be talking about corners, doing something a little bit different. Today, we're going to be comparing three corners, and uh, we'll let you guys know how we feel about who's number one. All right, guys, now we're going to come back, and you know, at the end of every episode, we got to wrap up with a little bit of draft talk. Um, Jonathan, we're kind of introducing a different concept today. Normally, we'll each kind of do three prospects and talk about them, um, you know, with three different ranges on the guys. Today, we're looking at three guys competing for the same spot, and that's cornerback number one on the board. Um, The three contestants, we're playing this like a game show, by the way. Uh, Contestant number one, uh, we got Patrick Sertan, the second junior corner from Alabama. 
Um, contestant two, we got it. It's fairly right, or is it? I thought it's Farley. Okay, you're right. Whatever it was, I knew I was saying it wrong. I couldn't remember. So Caleb Farley, the redshirt junior corner from Virginia Tech, and then J.C. Horn, the junior corner from South Carolina, son of NFL. Uh, pro Bowl. wide receiver, yeah, Joe, Joe Horn. Horn. Yep, two kids, two kids from uh, lineage, yeah, Sertan and JC Horn. Absolutely. Yep. Um, Jonathan, which one of these guys do you want to start with? Um, when breaking these guys down, I mean, let's start with Patrick Sertan, right? Let's, let's start with the Bama guy, yeah, I was the Bama guy and the guy who. You know, if just by default, I would probably say, you know, probably the highest pedigree of these three guys. Um, as you mentioned, the NFL father, you know, 6'2", 202 pounds. He, he just had his pro day. What was it? Two days ago, I think. Yes. Yeah, we're recording this on uh, the 31st. So, yeah, on the 29th on Monday. Had a fantastic pro day. Um, I think he did something like 19 reps on the bench press to go along with a you know, surprisingly, a four-four, just like uh, a lot of guys have been running um, in the thirty-nine-yard dash. No, I'm just kidding. I'll uh, tell you what: when an offensive lineman runs a four-five, <laughs> then I know this thing is rigged. When, Pro days are not over yet. When when Rashawn Slater comes out and runs a four-three-seven, you're going to raise your eyebrows a little bit. <laughs> just a little bit. <laughs> and there's going to, but there's no tape of the run though. That's when it's going to be suspicious. <laughs> Somehow all, the lights, somehow all the lights shut off at Northwestern all at once. <laughs> but not the clock. Yeah, exactly. The sensor that captures the, clock, the exactly. run. Well, that's that's running on on uh, sunlight, so they got oh, that gotcha. one. Gotcha. <laughs> gotcha. Uh, no, but talking about Sir Tan, man, pros. With him, man, it's all about the – it starts with the size, right? He comes off the bus and you immediately see the 6'2 frame. Looking at him, you know, in just, you know, T-shirt and shorts, he, he's a very big guy. Has a mm-hmm. lot of lot of strength, a lot of size, um, and you know, really has a full, you know, man's type of frame. Right, is a is a yeah. well filled out player and uses that to his advantage. Um, is not a guy who's afraid to play in the run game by any means. Um, you know, that's kind of part of the deal with Nick Saban, right? You know, you're gonna for the most part when you're playing in his secondary, you're gonna have the fundamentals. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't want to just. You know, a lot of times we put these generalizations out about guys and, you know, they're right until they're wrong, um, which I know is kind of a dumb thing to say, but that's just kind of how it works. Sertan will play in the run game. Um, he doesn't get blocked. Yeah. I mean, I, I, oh, let's be honest here. And I told you this before. Yeah. I did not. Out of the three guys, he was the guy that I least watched tape on. Right. Yeah. But let me tell you something. When when teams are throwing little bubble screens out there, the little short pass, he, he doesn't let the wide receiver yeah. block him down the field. I was gonna say he's, he's gonna good. make a move, he's yeah. gonna push away, and he's gonna try to make a tackle. Yeah, he's not allowing yards after the catch or anything like that. Very no. sure-handed type of guy. Um, also, you know, was a guy who was not challenged really at all this past season. If you watched Alabama, and mm-hmm. granted they had a really outstanding team this season, but he was a guy who you know. Not disappear. It's almost a good thing, though, for a corner to disappear in a game, right? You know, you're not seeing anybody making plays on him, but he's not making plays either. But it's because he's taking, you know, between, I would say, between 33 and 50 percent of the or 25 and 50 percent of the field away, you know, at any given time. So that alone kind of brings a, 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 
you know, a level of helping your defense out that can't be um, looked at just on, you know, pure numbers or anything like that. Yeah, man. And don't forget the hands, right? Like, look, let's be honest. I think all these, all three of these guys can cover, right? On one-on-one on on the outside, right? Yeah. Especially at the college level. Um, It's all about when you're talking about CB1, what can you do that the other guys can't? And, and Patrick Sertain is kind of the guy that can do everything. Right. He, he's the one, I would say, who profiles most like cornerback one because he doesn't have a glaring hole within his game. Right. Yeah. He, he can do at least a little bit of everything. And he has the size that, you know, I get it. The modern and the modern wide receiver one is not the way it was 15 years ago where it's a big six four guy. But there mm-hmm. are still a lot of teams who, you know, for the most part, a number one receiver is still going to be a pretty solid, solidly built dude. Um, so you're gonna you're gonna like having a physical corner who's able to kind of play with a little bit of. He plays with physicality throughout the route, so he's tough at the line, mm-hmm. and then also, you know, as the ball's in the air, he's also just as physical, uh, if not more, but is is able to do it in a way that he he uses and he has great technique with his recovery. But he do it does it in a way that he's not able to get you know uh, pass interference called a lot on him or holding yes. or any of those ticky tack penalties. That was one of the biggest things I noticed with him is that he's so physical. And I think it's it's to his advantage where he sets the level of physicality and it's like okay that's just what his normal is so it doesn't look like a penalty, um, right? Which I think he's able to overwhelm receivers with. No, and. I don't know if I mentioned this already, but great hands, man. Like yeah. when he has made some nice interceptions throughout his career. And at the end of the day, I know you're supposed to, you know, just knock the board down, knock, ugh, knock <laughs> the ball down. Yeah. You know, each kind of prevent catches. But when you can turn the ball over and get the offense back on the field, that goes on a premium in the NFL. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, you know how hard it is to get a possession, to just to get a possession in the NFL. So, you know, any guy who can take the ball or create extra possessions for his team, um, definitely going to be, you know, a plus. I would say some of the negatives when it comes to Sertan, he does have, Mm -hmm. and I saw mostly, you know, I saw it, I think one time in the LSU game and then a couple other times on some other, you know, I didn't watch the whole games, but where I watch other clips of him. Um, has a has an ability or has a tendency sometimes to, you know, go for that big play, kind of like what you were just talking about. You know, he's the type of guy who wants to make that game-changing interception and, and make that game-changing, you know, that play that kind of ignites the defense. And sometimes, you know, that allows him to get beat over the top, um, especially yeah. when he has to really flip his hips and kind of start running. That's, mm-hmm. when, that's when he struggles a little bit more, I would say. But when you play at Alabama – and you're blowing teams out. Yeah. Don't you maybe play a little bit more cockiness or recklessness? Absolutely. Where well, you just kind of go for it? And because also, at the end of the day, yeah. like, yeah. Yeah. And and a lot of that was more so the, la- the last two years with him when he kind of knew, hey, whatever happens, my offense is going to be able to put up points. Right. You know, so that also brings an element where, you know, maybe – that kind of created I, I wouldn't even call him bad habits but just allowed him to maybe take more chances or do more calculated risks if you would say um you know more so than he would maybe once he got to the nfl was playing on an offense maybe not as not as much firepower to it no got it yeah um 
moving on to, I guess, the second guy, Caleb. Uh, his name last name's in my head. I, I can't Farley. Even Farley. Um, I know you did a lot of research on him, John. What what, mm-hmm. what did you see? What did you see with him? What jumped off the tape to you? So I'm gonna start out with he was the first guy to opt out of 2020. Yeah, yeah, he was. All right. Um, and he's been considered a top ten pick in most mock drafts. The only reason he's been falling himself lately is injuries. Yeah. Including the latest injury uh, history too, not even just injury now. history, yeah. right? Uh, but the latest one is that back procedures that he just had couldn't work out, so we don't know what he runs. Yeah, but man, <laughs> I know you talked about you know Patrick Sertain and his physicality, how he looks like a man. Absolutely. Caleb Farley looks more like a man yeah. than Patrick Sertain. He just looks thick. Yeah. He just looks like a big safety out there playing corner. And he plays on the outside one-on-one. He gets on guys. He has good technique. Man, his tape against Miami yeah. in 2019? Elite? Oh, man. <laughs> Well, Poor look, kid. I think he was a uh, was in Nikosi. What was his name? Nikosi Perry, the quarterback. C- Poor kid. <laughs> Had no chance. Picked him off twice in one half, Damn. and that game was a blowout. Damn. But let me tell you something. He pulled one ball. The receiver had good position. Kevin Farley just stepped right in front of the throw. Looked back. Look, he ran the route. Pulled the ball in. Mm. Miami driving end zone. You know. Yeah. Receiver tried to put a move on him. He just steps right in front of it. Takes it. <laughs> yeah, good tape against Notre Dame. When they had good players yeah. in 2019. Yes, they did. Chase Claypool. Chase Claypool and um, the tight end for Chicago. Cole Komet. Cole Komet. Yep. Dudes, trust me. Dudes would catch the ball sometimes, and he did get beat on a double move in one of those games, in one of the plays. But, man, immediately tackling you. Quarterbacks don't like to throw the ball his way. Yeah. Uh, but the, the the history of the of the injuries, man. Torn ACL, um, you know, the it, it hurts a guy, right? Yeah. It, but even with all that, he was always considered a top 10 guy coming out in the draft. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think one of the unique things about him is, you know, he has a – a lot more ball production, I would say, than you would expect out of most guys that are coming out mm-hmm. in his position, right? He had, I mean, 23 career games, 19 pass deflections, 6 INTs. You you alluded to the the two that he had in that Miami game, which arguably was probably his best game um, at the college level. Yeah. You know, when you have numbers like that, I mean, that's pretty much some type of pass deflection every game, and you just don't see a number one corner get targeted as much as that. Um, but it's nice to see that he has the ability, like you said, to make plays when called upon, you know, because some of these guys, they almost, I'm not going to say forget, but like when you're in a certain type of situation where, you know, you might go almost a whole year without even seeing a pass. Um, I think this is something that also is going to come up next year, not to talk about any LSU guy, but with Derek Stingley next year, Mm -hmm. um, another guy who, who's going to kind of be questioned with that is what are you actually doing when you are getting challenged because it's been so long, you know, since you've been in that situation. Farley's a guy who's been, you know, he was pretty much consistently 
challenge for the full two years that he was at Virginia Tech. Yes. Yeah, and a guy who you know has the ability to play both in man coverage and zone. They do a great job of Virginia Tech of mixing their defense. I know Bud Foster's not there anymore, but was when uh, I believe his freshman year. And you know they just they're they are able to send guys for whatever reason they're able to send guys to the NFL who are ready to make impacts immediately. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that you could see that a lot with this guy as well. As long as like we talked about the injury. You talked about the ACL. To me, the back is the even more concerning of the two because, okay. you know, the the if it was just, which is what he had the procedure on, was it last week or this week? Um, and he's it had was the, last week, I think. Yeah, he's had the procedure within the past ten days or so. Um, so obviously forced him to miss the pro day, but also had the back spasm injury back in two thousand and nineteen. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, that's just when you start to have a reoccurrence with an injury or a certain area, that's where it kind of starts to get scary from, I would say a draft perspective. Definitely. Yeah. Especially when we're talking about cornerback one, right? Yeah. Exactly. Because when I'm drafting this guy in the top 10, I want him to be my corner for the next 10 years. I want to bring this guy in and give him a second deal. Right? Yeah, absolutely. So I just like this guy, man. <laughs> I was going to say, he sounds like he, he I, he's, he's won you over a little bit. He has, hasn't he? It, it, yeah. It, more than certain, to be honest with you. Really? I because think, I think, I borderline think his ceiling is a little bit higher. Okay. I, All I, right? I, I would actually agree with that. I just think, to me, I know exactly that Sertan is definitely going to be a starting cornerback in the NFL no matter what. Oh, no doubt. Like, he's going to be, at worst, the worst-case scenario, he's going to be an awesome number two corner. Oh, he's going to be in the league for 12, 13, 14 years, right? Yeah, like, he's I, just he just is. And I don't think – I wouldn't say that completely about Farley. And to me, it's mm. more so – it's mostly the injuries. But to me, also, it's funny. You talked about how he looks like a man, right? What did you yeah. – and I don't know if it was just because I watched his – his tape, the last of the three, but don't okay. you feel like you would like to see him be a little bit more physical as a corner? I think he's physical enough. Yeah. All right. I just, to, um, like I said, to me, it could be because, I mean, as we're going to talk about JC Horn, you know, in the route is super physical. I think Sertan, yes. you know, he's getting that rap as the physical and, you know, he has the frame and all that stuff as well. Mm-hmm. And then to me, Farley was the guy who, Left me, you know, wanting a little bit more, maybe from the physicality throughout the route. Um, but when I would say. we are running routes, yeah, right, or when you're covering routes in the NFL, I rather you have technique than just physicality. True. No, absolutely. absolutely, because in college they let these guys maul each other. Yeah, and what? in the NFL, that's just not gonna fly. Yeah, I mean, we all we've seen it, right? Corner is probably one of the harder positions to transition from, as far as going from a college guy to. A, a pro starter for the exact reason that you named. They kind of let a lot more stuff go at the college level. And honestly, even if he's not cornerback qu- one during the draft, I think it's good for him if he just falls a little bit. Yeah. You know, takes the pressure off of him a little bit. Let him rehab whatever injuries he have. If he goes into a corner room where he's a number two guy, great. You know, yeah. I think this guy's going to be ultimately a steal. Because of the injuries. Now, I'm not really sure, and this is where 
it really messes with his draft stock. If he's the kind of guy that I'm willing to draft because I'm banking to give him that second contract. Yeah. Because durability here is, is a big issue. Huge flag. I would say that's the biggest thing holding him back from being the number one corner. Um you know, right now. And obviously, like we said, still in contention. I will say, though, the, you know, you talked about hopefully he'll be able to contribute. His agent, Drew Rosenhaus, did say um, that he should be ready to start like training camp and all that type of stuff when that time comes. So that's encouraging. But at the same time, you know, you don't even want to go into the season thinking about any of that type of stuff. So. But some guys do, right? Absolutely. And and we've had, we had a few guys, we talked about them, right? Uh, why Walker, am I drawing Jalen Smith? Yeah. Oh, yeah. You know? For sure. And uh, the kid for the Jacksonville Jaguars. Um, From the Jaguars. Oh, yeah, Miles linebacker. Jack. Miles Jack. Miles Jack. Yep. yep. Some guys are banked up. Their, their draft stocks fall a little bit. I mean, those guys went from top five to second round. Yeah. I still, but, I, I still don't understand the Jack fall, but go ahead. It happens. Yeah. And and teams got to weigh that risk. And, it, it, you know, that's one thing in the NFL where guys are going to be like, you know what? You're hurt. You're, you're Sorry. You might be a great football player, but your, your, your stock is going to take a hit. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, and that's just the part where it's hard to see that. And that usually is a slide that happens more so day of the draft. Yes. And it is something that you're really projecting because it's like once one team is scared off by your medical, all, all of a sudden it becomes, you know, every team. It's herd mentality in the NFL for the most part. Mm-hmm. One, once one team's scared of you, all of a sudden 31 other teams that maybe didn't have a worry in the world about you, now all of a sudden you're on their not draft board. Yep. Um, so, yeah, I could easily see, could definitely see a scenario where he slips a little bit further. Um, but, yeah, then I guess that kind of – would propel this guy or kind of bring this guy more so into the fold, a guy who, you know, the I would say Sertan and and Farley have been the one-two for pretty much the entire season. Um, mm-hmm. And then J.C. Horn, right, cornerback, junior cornerback out of South Carolina, 6'1", 205, has kind of been the late riser, I would say, of the group. Would, would you agree? Yes. Yeah, and what, what did you see with him? I know, I know you did – more research on him than I've done on any guy so far. So please take it away. He's gonna be a bust. Wow, jeez. I hate this guy. Oh my god. Please explain. I, I love the take first off, but I I, I want to know why. I want to know what you think. He's soft. Yeah. He's a diva. All right. Yeah. So he has a receiver. He has a receiver's mentality playing corner. Look. When. Another team is passing, and he gets to go one-on-one with somebody. He loves to put their hands on them. He gets physical. I saw some hand battles with Kyle Pitts. He he gets in there. He stays on your hip. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, he takes away the underneath route. Look, when he comes to coverage, this guy can cover. But when he comes to everything else, he sucks. All right? (laughs) I've... Not that I'd say I'll never, but this guy doesn't yeah. want to be out there when the opposite team is running the ball. Oh, he sure. lets the he lets the receiver just block him, <laughs> and then you know that guy that he doesn't really want to be like involved in the tackle, so he kind of runs up to it, kind of does a little move where he's gonna do something, but he pulls up. Oh, 100 percent of course. constantly, 
<laughs> constantly. Oh, like, I've seen plays, especially in the Ole Miss game, yeah. and kind of like in the Texas A&M game, where maybe the run could have been a five-yard run, six-yard run. But you're busting it for 15-yard gains. Because he just lets himself to be pushed around. Yeah. You could tell even from the the physical expressions, he didn't want to deal with this shit. And, and it's it's weird because there's like one or two plays where he will lay down the boom. Yeah. But that's just flashes. That's the thing with him that I think more than anything, I think Sertan and Farley, when you really look at them, they're much more consistent players. And then Horn, like you said, he's the type of guy who, when you watch him over the course of a game, out of you know maybe 50 plays, he might have 10 really nice plays. Yep. And then 20 plays where he completely is checked out and 20 plays that are, eh, okay. <laughs> you know? I'm and then, here. And then before you know it, it leaves you where – you know, you're lukewarm on the guy, you know, so I completely understand what you're saying. Let me jump to the next one. Yeah. Two interceptions throughout his career. That To me, that was the, the highlight of all of them. Well, well, they're both against Auburn in the same game. Oh my Let me tell you God. something about those interceptions. <laughs> uh, we all know Bo Nix plays quarterback at Auburn, I was gonna and say, we're not a big Bo Nix fan. Yeah, not really. Not really. All right. One of the interceptions, Bo Nix is rolling to his left. The wide receiver is triple covered, <laughs> and he tries to sneak it in there, and J.C. Horn has just got his hands on it. Nice. All right? That's the old Christmas gift interception. Oh, yeah. <laughs> the other interception, receiver runs a good curl route. Uh, Horn was not in position to make a play. But the ball goes over the receiver and lands right on his hand. <laughs> he didn't do shit. <laughs> he was in bad position. The That's receiver funny. beat him. Mm. Yeah. Then he had some nice plays. And by the way, he was going against Seth Rogers throughout most of the game, right? Because Bo Nix didn't have a uh, – he didn't care about challenging him. Right. Seth Rogers didn't lose all those battles one-on-one. Yeah. There was a deep ball, 50-50. Horn was in position. Seth Seth Rogers got on top of him, made the catch. And I'm pretty sure all these corners have a bad moment. But man, his is more than just a moment, though. It, it, it's 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 annoying. Like Absolutely. the Texas A&M game didn't even show up. Even got scored on. Ole Miss even got scored on. Mm. Because that's another thing. He's not versatile. He can only play on the outside. Yeah, I was going to say that. Yeah, he's, Put yeah. him on the slot. Yep. He does not have that twitch in his. Like, you, you get Albert Wilson type, or, man, if the guy's even faster, he's done. And it's also, not twitchy. And also, when you're if you're a slot corner, which nowadays, that literally is its own position. It's like, yep. you know, it's basically your fifth DB, um, you know, when you have your nickel set, which pretty much is base nowadays, um, the way it's getting spread out so much. But he could never be that because, like you said, no interest in the run game at all. No interest in playing physical, really, which you have to be at that position. Yeah, man. I just feel like an offensive coordinator looks at J.C. Horn. Yeah. And he goes like, okay, maybe I'm not going to keep throwing on his side. But, man, if I'm going to run, I'm going to run towards him. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm going to make this safety play on that side. Yeah. Because, yeah. I don't know. I don't know if you can turn on the switch because we've seen that at a, another South Carolina player, right? In um, 
Jadavian Clowney, Shoot. where he just took plays off. The epitome of it. Right? Like, there's no chasing. There was one play where I saw him chase, and that was because he had a clear route to the runner. <laughs> Got to get It's like that West, Russell Westbrook assist. Only make the effort <laughs> when you know you're getting a number. It's – I don't know, man. Like I said, I don't like J.C. Horn. Yeah. Um, He's going to be drafted in the first round because he's a corner. Yes. Uh, Doesn't have an history of injury. Doesn't seem like he has any character flaws. I just don't like the way he plays. Mm. And honestly, I know that there are NFL bloodlines in there. I think this kid is going to be a bust. Wow. He's not going to play up to his potential. Mm. Well, yeah, I mean, so just to kind of put a cap on this segment, Jonathan, if you had to rank the three guys, I think I can kind of figure out your order. But just for everyone, just to, just to be clear, give me your cornerback, one, two, three. All right. It's going to be Sertain, Farley, and Horn. Yep. The only reason Farley goes two is because of the injuries. Yeah, I think uh, I actually think there's a little bit more distance between Sertan and Farley. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's more so, or more than just the injuries, but the injuries definitely I think are what separates Sertan as one. Um, and yeah, just like you, I I have the exact same order. Um, okay. With these, guys. how do you feel about JC Horn? You know. To me, the biggest issue wasn't so much the effort because I think there are a lot of corners that kind of, you know, in the divaness. I think there are a lot of corners that are like that, right? Mm-hmm. The, to me, more so it is is the lack of production because mm-hmm. immediately when I start thinking of a diva corner, the first name that comes to my mind is Marcus Peters. Um, Yo! <laughs> you read my mind! <laughs> and Marcus Peters, right... Love him, hate him, whatever side of the fence you're, you fall on. He's been on three teams in, in five and a half-ish years. Uh, I don't, you know, whatever. But when push comes to shove, this dude makes plays in the passing game. He makes yep. he makes interceptions. He makes game-changing plays where it's like, okay, I can live with you really only playing 15 out of 50 plays in a game because I know you're going to ball out for those 15 plays. Horn isn't the type of guy that is going to make as much of an impact in those 15 plays as another guy is going to make in, say, you know, Sertan, who's playing 50, maybe all the way consistently throughout, right? I think yep. out of 50, you could get – Sertan realistically could give you 50 plays where he's just an 8 out of 10. Horn will give you, you know, 5 where he's a 9 out of 10, you know, a couple of them where he's like a 2 you know, he's going to range everywhere within that group. And I think that's where it really gets dangerous for a corner because that's mm-hmm. one of those positions where all it takes is one play for you to get beat over the top. Or, or yeah, all... and that's – sorry. No, I was just going to say it just takes one time for you to get – you know, one time for you to make a mental lapse or one time for you to not be 100% engaged for all of a sudden, you know, you're getting beat to the house for 70 yards. And, and that's what's funny, right? For a dad that was a wide receiver – he doesn't really like playing the ball. He yeah. likes to play the receiver. Yep. And you know what? I don't like that. Not for CB1. Absolutely. Yeah, I think that's more of your – to me, he's more of your typical cornerback too. I'm not really as good as I think I am, but I carry myself a certain way Yep. where I think I'm somebody. and I got the physical traits. Yeah, you know, once in a while I'm going to make a play, but for the most part you're just going to be happy that I'm really only giving up the nine-yard – you know, curl route um, where you can pr- kind of get a first down on me most times, but I'll make you pay every once in a while. That's kind of where I see his career kind of turning out into. 
Is he Byron Jones? Oh man, I don't. Those are fighting words for me to call anyone Byron Jones. <laughs> but it does, it does, you know, scream Byron Jones when you look at two interceptions in thirty games. Yep. Um, and also the physicality uh, in the in the route running or mm-hmm. against a route a route runner, because um, I know Jones is doing a lot of that. Is kind yep. of where where he made his transition from corner or from safety to safety corner. to corner. So uh, I don't know. I. I think J.C. Horn easily has the most red flags of the three because um, his are a lot are all, you know, with his actual play versus Farley, who's are really off the or in the injury table, I should say. Um, but, yeah, I'm, I'm happy with the rankings of these guys because I feel like they're appropriate. I feel like they're appropriate. Um, anything else to hit on, boss, before we get out of here? We've kept the, we've kept the listeners for a long time today. This is a long one. Sorry, guys. We had a we had a lot to break down with that trade. I'm telling you, we gave you guys some good information. <laughs> Just spread the word. Absolutely. JC Horn is not the answer. Yeah, tell all your friends and sound cool. Sound sound. You're a football. You'd be a football hipster. <laughs> <laughs> but we're less than a month away, man. Yeah, and. Yeah, guys, that make, makes us uh, reminds me um, next week just to kind of give you guys a little schedule. Um, next week we're going to be doing a full breakdown of all the uh, top five or the top five quarterbacks. Um, the, you know the guys that we're going to see going in round one. So you know if your team is looking for a quarterback or you care about one of these quarterbacks, definitely tune in to the next episode because we'll be doing full breakdowns. And like Jonathan said, you know we're we're draft season right now, so. Pretty much everything we talk from here through the end of the or through the end of um, April is going to be draft related, and you know a lot of you know player rankings. We're we're going to throw a mock draft in there as we get closer to the draft, yep. and uh, so really excited about all that stuff coming. Definitely. Um, hey, go ahead and close this out, Chad. Yeah, I was going to say, man. It, with that being said, that's pretty much all we got. Keep you know, keep showing us love, like, subscribe. Let us know if there's stuff you want us to talk about, prospects, um, teams, moves, any of that stuff. We didn't talk about the Tyler Lockett signing. We might get to that next time. No promises, mm-hmm. though. Um, with that being said, guys, we hope you all have a great week. Hope you enjoyed us, and we'll talk to you guys next week. See ya. Eagles fans, we love you. Ciao. <laughs>